I always think it's more profound to celebrate a man's birthday than to celebrate his death than to celebrate his passing. And so here we are on May 19th, 2019. And some 94 years ago, one of the foremost intellectual, conscientious leaders for civil rights was born. And that man was, that man is Malcolm X. And so I want to take some time today to pull some of his, uh, some excerpts from some of his speeches. And I also want to ask some tough questions because, you know, we're pretty familiar with uh, Martin Luther King Day and such commemorations. But I don't think we do nearly as much to honor the life and legacy of Malcolm X. And so I'm going to try to do that uh, with this podcast today. I just want to do what uh, Brother Malcolm challenged so many of us to do, which is to be simultaneously brilliant and to be defiant and to understand that when we flat out rebuke just the clear moral wrongs that exist in our in our society, that it will just open us up to that brilliance and it will just open us up to um, what is true freedom. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy. Um, to be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country, and to be um, relatively conscious, is to be in a state of rage, almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth, but not to make no dope. To make a difference. just an off-the-cuff chat between you and me, us. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Welcome to this episode of Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Uh, so glad you guys are checking in with us. Uh, so many different things I just want to share with you. Also, first of all, let me do this. I want to shout out uh, just uh, two great friends of mine who are not only just friends of the show, but are sponsors of the show. Uh, you, you will hear um, their ads and um, the things that they're offering uh, during the course of the podcast. Well, I want to thank uh, Jay Harvey and Donald Doe for their uh, not only their f- financial support, but their honest criticisms and, uh, and appreciation of the show. So I just I'm indebted to those brothers um, just for I mean, just really just for being great friends above all else. But man, I have so many different thoughts just associated with this particular day. Uh, sitting up here, look, rocking, rocking my, uh, my Malcolm X fitted, man. It's, it's amazing, you know, really just and I just want to start out by saying that, you know, growing up, you know, we kind of learned about Malcolm X as more of of a foil um, to Dr. King. And which the way that American history or I should say American propaganda, you know, really presents Malcolm X, it really does him a disservice. And, you know, as I think about both of their lives and, you know, I've, I've read so many different books. Um, one of those books being, you know, To Kill a Black Man by Louis, uh, Louis Lomax. If you haven't read that, my goodness, probably be hard for you to get a copy. But if you can get your hands on a copy of that, uh, look, you have a pretty <laughs> look, a, a pretty uh, classic book on your hands. But, you know, I think about just even things like, um, you know, with Dr. King writing uh, Where Do We Go From Here? Cast or Community, having written that in 1967. He wrote that in a world um, that did not have Malcolm X. And so it's, you know, but Malcolm in and of himself was just uh, really an example that all of us can can learn from. He was so transcendent. I think he was he was transcendent of respectability politics because so much of respectability politics is, you know, 
about you know pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and it's about you know where you come from and and, and all of this type of foolishness but you know Malcolm was raised by Garveyites he was raised you know in poverty he was he did you know in his teenage years uh, pick up some bad habits in terms of you know drug use and um, you know just the, his treatment of women and of course you know we all know about um, the time that he did in prison but even with those impossible odds and the the challenges that you know were imposed on him and some of those challenges that you know were he imposed on himself um, Malcolm Little you know became Malcolm X and you know so much of how he became triumphant you know isn't the fact that you know that he was self-taught but I always contend and, and this is kind of a challenge that I have for everybody listening is that you know I, we're like a lot of us are just I think just unfulfilled in life in general and I see it in people's Facebook posts I see it in their faces and a lot of it honestly and I, and I can just say this for myself sometimes man sometimes you just gotta take a step back and just really look at yourself and look at the things like your talents and your gifts and look at the things that make you happy and really try to tap into those things I think we spend so much time uh, trying to vibe and you know and coexisting with negative energy that may be the negative energy that you know that we project on ourselves maybe just how we feel about ourselves um, it may just be what people are projecting on us but man, I just challenge you to rebuke all that and to just be the best you and I think that is really just one of the the more most powerful things about uh, Malcolm X is that he had a basic understanding he he saw more wrong and that more wrong is you know what is happening to black people in America and he was able to address that within the context of you know his religion within a Muslim religion but then also understanding that there were factions in that religion and you know Malcolm graduated and evolved and continued to learn continued to learn it would have been one thing for Malcolm to you know attain the status that he had initially within the nation of Islam and say you know what that's all I need but he said no I'm going to go to Mecca I'm going to learn these things and you know, because of that, he, he has become just this, you know, just this legendary figure and rightfully so. But what I want to do in terms of just this podcast is I want to share some excerpts, some speeches with you. I want to focus first and foremost on self-esteem. And so I'm going to share an excerpt uh, from uh, this commentary uh, that Malcolm did. It's called You Can't Hate the Roots of a Tree. It's about five minutes long. Um, I want you guys to just really just tap in. And just uh, listen to what Brother Malcolm has to say. I have a lot more, uh, obviously, that I want to share during the course of the podcast, just in terms of my personal commentary. But I'm going to share this uh, this piece with you uh, from Brother, Brother Malcolm, so you guys enjoy. Why should the black man in America uh, concern himself, since we've been away from the African continent for 400 years, three or 400 years? Why should we concern ourselves? What impact does what happened to them have upon us? Number one. First, you have to realize that up until 1959, Africa was dominated by the colonial powers and by the colonial powers of Europe having complete control over Africa, they projected the image of Africa negatively. They projected Africa always in a negative light. Jungles, savages, cannibals, nothing civilized. And naturally, it was so negative until you, it was negative to you and me. And you and I began to hate it. We didn't want anybody to tell us anything about Africa, and much less call us an African. Uh, and, and, uh, and in hating Africa and hating the African, we ended up even hating ourselves without even realizing it. Because you can't hate the roots of a tree and not hate the tree. You can't hate your origin 
and not end up hating yourself. You can't hate Africa and not hate yourself. And you show me one of these people over here who have been thoroughly brainwashed, who has a negative attitude toward Africa, and I'll show you one that has a negative attitude toward himself. You can't have a, you can't have a negative attitude toward yourself, a positive attitude toward yourself, and a negative attitude toward Africa at the same time. To the same degree that your attitude, that your understanding of, an attitude toward Africa becomes positive, you'll find that your understanding of and your attitude toward yourself will also become positive. And this is what the white man knows. So they very skillfully uh, made you and me hate our African identity, our African uh, characteristics. And you know yourself that we have been a people who hated our African characteristics. We hated our hair. We hated the shape of our nose. We wanted one of those long, dog-like noses, you know. Yeah. Uh, we hated the color of our skin. Hated the blood of Africa that was in our veins. And in hating our features and our skin and our blood, why we had to end up hating ourselves. And we hated ourselves. Our color became, to us, a chain. We felt that it was holding us back. Our color came to us, became to us like a prison, which we felt was keeping us confined, not letting us go this way or that way. And we felt that all of these restrictions were based solely upon our color, and the psychological re reaction to that would have to be that <clears throat> as long as we felt imprisoned or chained or trapped by black skin, black features, and black blood, uh, that skin and those features and, and that blood that was holding us back automatically had to become hateful to us. And it became hateful to us. It made us feel inferior. It made us feel inadequate. It made us feel helpless. And when we uh, fell victim to this feeling of in in inadequacy or inferiority or helplessness, we turned to somebody else to show us the way. We didn't have confidence in another black man to show us the way, or black people to show us the way. In those days, we didn't. We didn't think a black man could do anything but play some horn, you know, some sound, and make you happy with some songs, and in that way. We, but when, in serious things, where our food, clothing, and shelter was concerned, and our education was concerned, we turned to the man. We never thought in terms of bringing these things into existence for ourselves. We never thought in terms of doing things for ourselves, because we felt helpless. And what made us feel helpless was our hatred for ourselves. One of the things that made the Black Muslim movement grow was its emphasis upon things African. This was the secret to the growth of the Black Muslim movement. African blood, African origin, African culture, African ties. And you'd be surprised. We discovered that deep within the subconscious of the black man in this country, he's still more African than he is American. He thinks that he's more American than African because the man is jiving him and the man is brainwashing him every day, telling him, you're an American, you're an American. Man, how could you think you're an American and you have never had any kind of American treat over here? You have never, never. Ten men can be sitting at a table eating, you know, dining. And I can come and sit down where they're dining. They're dining. I got a plate in front of me, but nothing is on it. Uh, because all of us are sitting at the same table, are all of us diners? I'm not a diner until you let me dine. Then I become a diner. Just being at the table with others who are dining doesn't make me a diner. And this is what you gotta get in your head here in this country. Just because you're in this country doesn't make you an American. And no, you got to go farther than that before you can become an American. You got to enjoy the fruits of Americanism. 
And you haven't enjoyed those fruits. You've enjoyed the thorns. You've enjoyed the thistles. But you have not enjoyed the fruits. No, sir. So I point these things out, brothers and sisters, so that you and I will know the importance in 1965 of being in complete unity with each other, harmony with each other, and not letting the man maneuver us uh, into fighting one another. I say that again that I'm not a racist. I don't believe in any form of segregation or anything like that. I'm for the brotherhood of everybody, but I don't believe in enforcing uh, brotherhood upon people who don't want it. As long as we practice brotherhood among ourselves and then others who want to practice brotherhood with us, we practice it with them also, we're, we're for that. But I don't think that we should run around trying to love somebody who doesn't love us. Thank you. My name is Lauren Macon and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Do you need insurance for your car, home, life, or business? Then trust Jay Harvey, your Allstate insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. As a husband and father, he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706-434-8106. Jay's office is located at 3118-8 William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, that commentary, the initial commentary by Malcolm X. I have another one here uh, that is forthcoming. It's, it's actually uh, from uh, a Canadian um, broadcast. Uh, their archives uh, actually was recorded in 1965, and so it was that, uh, that fateful year um, that uh, Brother Malcolm was assassinated. But I just want to, uh, before I, I share that uh, commentary with you all, it's actually a commentary that talks about uh, Brother Malcolm split uh, from Elijah Muhammad. And, you know, he talks about just ideological differences and, all, and still, you know, talks about obviously the plight of black people in America. But I just want to, again, this is about uh, challenging you, the listener, as much as it is about, you know, just uh, honoring and remembering the life of Brother Malcolm. And so I just want to ask you as an individual, uh, before you uh, heard about this podcast, did you, you know, did you know about uh, Malcolm X Day? Because um, I'm, I'm even thinking now, I'm like, man, you know, next year it will be the 95th occasion, you know, of uh, of Malcolm X's uh, birth, and so man, it'd be cool to be able, to, you know, be able to go to a place like, you know, like a Harlem, uh, New York, somewhere like that. Of course, you know, Harlem does so much to uh, commemorate, um, you know, uh, Brother Malcolm's memory, uh, just in and of itself. But man, just imagine on that date and on that occasion, man, what that would look like, just that 95th anniversary, or you know, if, if we were to make it. You know, to be able to make it to a uh, like a 2025. I mean, what would that look like, man? Oh, man. Nevertheless, I want, I want to just uh, I want you to ask yourself this question. You know, are you are you more inclined to um, to embrace, you know, uh, Dr. King and his teachings? Or are you more inclined to, you know, embrace Malcolm X? And just think about that for a minute. Like, you know, are you, you know, do you say, well, you know, Dr. King is, is that gold standard or do you say Malcolm X is that gold standard? And now here's the trick with that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a trick question because we really should. And I, and I've, I've said this on this podcast multiple times, you know, we should really look at both and understand like how much they influenced the, uh, influenced each other. And, you know, even as rivals, you know, how much they challenge each, each other's, you know, thoughts and, you know, different things like that. But a lot of what happens again, just in an educational setting, and just in a, in a society, you know, again, that where, you know, it's white dominated and there is white supremacy. What happens is, is that 
you know, it's easier for a message of nonviolence to be digested as opposed of a message of not violence, but of self-defense and of protecting oneself. Here's one of Malcolm X's most recognizable quotes. Be peaceful, be courteous, obey the law, respect everyone. But if someone puts his hand on you, send him to the cemetery. I'm going to share this commentary with you and then I'm going to um, present uh, just a classic piece by most deaf. It's actually um, uh, preceded. Well, I should say the um, the hip hop portion is preceded by a quote from Malcolm X. It's a song you may recognize as Super Magic. And so I'm going to give you guys uh, both of those consecutively. Thank you for listening to Making a Difference. Tonight's front page challenge welcomes the outspoken Negro leader, Malcolm X. Sir, what was, what's the real reason why you two men split? Is it merely ideological or is it personality? What else? Probably personality. It was not uh, the statement that uh, originally was gave, given by the movement when, I, when we split. More personality than anything else. You've called people like Martin Luther King, who just got a Nobel Peace Prize, uh, an Uncle Tom. Is this correct, first? Well, I'd rather say that uh, in the States, there's a law that has recently been passed or a decision handed down by the court wherein if you call someone an Uncle Tom, they can sue you for libel. Well, so I never refer to them as Uncle Tom. I would say that Uncle Martin is my friend. Uncle Martin is your friend, yet you would disagree with his uh, approach to what he wants to accomplish. Definitely. If his approach would bring about uh, what the black man in America needs to completely eliminate the problem that we have, I would say well and good. But I very much doubt that uh, anyone who uh, adopts the approach that Martin Luther King has been teaching to our people in that country can point to any meaningful gains that has actually served to solve the problem. Black Muslims uh, have sometimes, whether you have or not, and I think probably you have, have sometimes, it seemed to me, been preaching hate to meet hate. Uh, I don't advocate any kind of hate. But there's a lot of talk that sounds very much like it. No, I think that the guilt complex of the American white man is so profound until when you begin to analyze the real condition of the black man in America, instead of the American white man eliminating the causes that create that condition, he tries to cover it up by accusing his accusers of teaching hate. But actually, they're just exposing him for being responsible for what exists. <clears throat> well, that's, that's uh, something of, of an argument. But I've heard speeches made by some of the people of your group. I think I've heard you make speeches. It seemed to me that you were advocating uh, what I would have to describe, I think, as violence to meet the serious injuries that have been done your people, with which I totally agree. I don't call that violence. Uh, I don't in any way encourage black people to go out and initiate acts of aggression indiscriminately against whites. But I do believe that the black man in the United States and any human being anywhere is well within his right to do whatever is necessary by any means necessary to protect his life and property, especially in a in a country where the federal government itself has proven that it is either uh, in, unable or unwilling to protect the lives and property of those human beings. Just before Pierre takes it, you've got a pretty good fighter and the world's heavyweight champion lined up with you to help out. Yes, Pierre. <laughs> well, Mr. X, if I guess I call you that. Is that a proper uh, appellation, yes. Mr. X? I I'm wondering if you still believe, as I think you certainly did at you know, the time you were allied to the black Muslim movement, in a segregated black nation no. in North America. I don't believe in any form of segregation or any form of racism. 
Uh, I'm against any form of segregation and against racism. Is it, am I right in saying that the black Muslim movement, which you have left, did believe in that? Well, Elijah Muhammad taught his followers that the only solution was a separate state yeah. for black people. And as long as I thought he genuinely believed that himself, uh, I believed in him and believed in his solution. But when I began to doubt that he himself believed that that was feasible, and I saw no kind of action designed to bring it into existence or bring it about, then uh, I turned in a different direction. Are you still a Muslim yourself? Oh, yes. I'm You're a Muslim. I believe in the religion of Islam, which believes in brotherhood, complete brotherhood of all people. But at the same time that I believe in this brotherhood, I don't believe in forcing my uh, desire for brotherhood upon those who aren't willing to accept it. Of course, I think the Christians would say that they also believed in brotherhood. What did you say to that? I'd say they believe in it, but don't practice it. <laughs> well, that'd be a pretty good answer. <laughs> Sir, when the uh, muezzin goes up in the minaret, Twice a day, he cries to the world, there is but one God, and he is Allah. Do you deny that there is a Christian God? Uh, the muezzin does this five times a day. Five times, and I only heard him twice. Well, you were fortunate to hear him twice. <laughs> but he does this five times a day, and the same God that he says, uh, that he expresses the existence of, is the God that the Christians profess to believe in themselves, and the God that the Jews believe in, one God, the creator of the universe. The Muslims believe in the God that created the universe, and I think the Christians do, and the Jews do. Now, as long as all of them are talking about the Creator, uh, the Jews may call him Jehovah, and Christians may have another name for him. Those who are Arabic-speaking refer to him as Allah. Well, we believe in the same God. Now, as the Muslim religion advances in the United States, are you uh, modernizing it or, or sticking with the old faiths? For example, the complete segregation of the sexes. I think that everything today on this earth is being modernized. Uh, religious uh, principles and practices, as well as political and other, and other things. Now, when you went to Mecca, this is a very sacred and forbidden city. I tried to get to Mecca myself and certainly didn't make it, uh, not being a Muslim. But how would they accept you as one? You're an American. There are few American Muslims. This is true. And by being an American and not having uh, any not being able to speak the Arabic language, I did strike a snag, a very serious snag, but I was fortunate uh, to have been pretty well known by the officials in Arabia, and they knew too that I had uh, accepted Orthodox Islam. It had been highly publicized in the paper, and I w became a guest of the state. I was a guest of who? Of Prince Faisal, the present King Faisal. Faisal, and they made it possible for me to go before the committee, Hajj committee or Hajj court, who examines you. And, and ask you questions about your belief. And if you pass it, then you are okay to go to Mecca. But it's you would true. have to have a translator then. Uh, oh, I had one. Then we realizing that our problem in America, that we are black Americans and we have a problem that goes beyond religion. We formed a group known as the Organization of Afro-American Unity. And the objective of this organization, it's non-religious, number one, any Negro can belong to it. And the objective of, the, of that organization is to uh, bring about a condition that will guarantee respect and recognition of the 22 million black Americans as human beings. We feel that the problem, number one, of the black man in America is beyond America's ability to solve. It's a human problem, not an American problem or a Negro problem. And as a human problem or a world problem, we feel that it should be taken out of the jurisdiction of the United States government and the United States courts and taken into the United Nations in the same manner that the problems of the black man in South Africa, Angola, and other parts of the world, and even 
the way they're trying to bring the problems of the Jews in Russia into the United Nations because of violation of human rights. We believe that our problem is one not a violation of civil rights, but a violation of human rights. Not only are we denied the right to be a citizen in the United States, we're denied the right to be a human being. Mr. X, may I thank you very much for coming on our program and perhaps clearing away some of the cobwebs of misconception that some of us might have had about your belief. And I think you're a very sincere man, and it takes a lot of courage to, ad uh, to admit a former belief is wrong, and we congratulate you for that and the service you performed tonight in giving us your views. Thank you so much, Mr. Thank you. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. You're living at a time of extremism, a time of revolution, a time when there's got to be a change. People in power have misused it, and now there has to be a change and a better world has to be built and the only way it's going to be built is with extreme methods and I for one will join in with anyone don't care what color you are as long as you want to change this miserable condition that exists on this earth thank you ecstatic 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 Classic Flow Super magic black origin Crush me out of dopeness Death me out of dopeness Sketch another opus Lock off your set Brooklyn We keep them open The heavens expand The stars advance The love will be Hold your hand healing power like bang Snap I rebuke these snitches We know the truth You can't confuse me bitches Great name greater than all your riches Y'all Dante Flacco Bay That's the business Repeat, I rebuke these snitches We know the truth, you can't confuse me, bitches Strong magic to bust all you with your Cherokee chief Rock up on your rocket, no stopping, let's get it Yeah You're now rocking with the devil They make me fail, so real. Super magic, black origin, fresh me out of dopeness Death me out of dopeness, sketch another opus Lock off yourself, Brooklyn, we keep them open Again, again, super magic, black origin, fresh me out of dopeness Death me out of dopeness, sketch another opus Lock off yourself, come close and get them open Give it here, let it go this is Donald Doe and Michael Doe with Family Financial Consultants. Do you need help with Medicare? With affordable mortgage and life insurance? Building an estate for your child? We provide these types of services for you and much more. As independent insurance brokers, we take pride in coming into people's homes and not only saving them money, but changing their lives. Imagine only paying a few dollars for your medicine instead of hundreds, or cutting the cost of your insurance premiums. Our goal is to provide affordable policies tailored to your individual needs. Give us a call at 803-293-8915 or 706-503-3933. 
Family Financial Consultants, LLC, located at 412 Edgefield Road in North Augusta, South Carolina. Agents work for companies, but a broker works for you. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Getting ready to wrap up this episode. I am just so grateful that you guys have checked in with us today. I want to close out because what you may be realizing is, is that, you know, as you're listening to this episode and you're listening to some of the things that um, Brother Malcolm has said, you know, obviously just, you know, many, many uh, decades uh, before, like some of that stuff is still very relevant today. And this is why we need black voices who are unafraid to speak up. Uh, Making a difference is one of those voices. And even yet and still, we just need your support. Um, There are so many different ways you can support us, first and foremost. Um, You can just support us just from, you know, just on social media. I mean, you can follow us on Facebook. It's facebook.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a different show. Uh, You can also obviously follow the podcast on SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a difference. You can also, and I would strongly encourage that you just support us financially. Uh, You can support us uh, via Cash App. Uh, it's dollar sign making M-A-K-I-N a different show, dollar sign making a different show. You can also support us via uh, Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash making a different show. Just want to thank, you know, obviously the sponsors and everybody who's supporting. But there is still just such a need for black media. I don't, I don't think people are aware um, that there is a crisis in media. There's a crisis in media just in general. If you look, if you're paying attention to some of um what is happening with this current uh, administration, just the White House, uh, this current presidential administration, they are doing so much um, to attack uh, the press. And then even, you know, when you look at just some of what's happening with the press and then you tack on to that when you just think about black press and what's basically happening is that those voices are being drowned out. And, you know, so you don't have that representation. And this is very telling, um, you know, when, just the way that, that stories are presented and quite frankly, what stories are presented. And so uh, making a difference, as I've said before, you know, is unafraid uh, and is bold and speaking up uh, to those issues. And what I'm going to do to close out this episode is the same thing I've been doing during the course of the episode. You know, I'm saying different things, but I just, you know, as we know, like Malcolm X uh, just had a unique way of saying um, just things that were so um, pertinent and so relevant um, to what's going on, not only in his time, but just the times that we're facing today. And so I want to close out. Um, with uh, Malcolm X on media manipulation. And I'm also going to share um, just a a legacy piece about Malcolm X's, uh, the eulogy. Um, Those of you who have watched the Malcolm X movie will be very familiar with uh, Ossie Davis's commentary um, on uh, Brother Malcolm. And so I'm going to close out the episode with those two pieces. Just want to, again, encourage you guys to just support making a difference in any way, shape, or form you can. Um, Even just words of encouragement, man. Uh, you can shoot us an email at making a different show, M A K I N, a different show at gmail.com. But with all that said, man, love you guys so much. Enjoy this day. I um, hope your Malcolm X day is beautiful. Uh, love you guys. Peace and God bless. All right, this young lady right there. I'd like to make a comment to Mr. Malcolm. Now, you're right, of course, the black people are in the West. They have had the West. But isn't it also possible that if the white people, the poor people, the people down in my neighborhood, the white people, those that don't work, those that are on welfare, those that have nothing, and they got together too. And you help us, we'll help you. You help us get up there. You help us get rid of some of these people that are pressing down on us. No, I Aren't say you should be just you should be just as active in your neighborhood as we're trying as you have been in our neighborhood. Everybody's going for something. We alone, there are too few of us. There are too many men up there with all their cop cars and everything. That's what they're always telling you. Never let your enemy tell you how 
how, uh, how many of you there are. Never let the man that you're against form your opinions. This is the trick that's played on everyone who's oppressed. The first thing, an occupation, uh, when you have a revolution in the country, the first thing you take over is the radio. And then you start telling the people that everybody, the war is over. And, 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 and so all of them surrender. No, they believe that thing right there. And once they take that over, they start telling you uh, where you are and where they are, and you fall right in line. It's plain thought control. The majority of the American people aren't segregationists. That the majority of the American people aren't imperialists. But the government is, the structure is, the power faction is. So what, how, how then do all the majority go along with it? Because those who sit in power over the television, over the radio, and over the press is constantly telling those who are the masses how free they are and how, and how, how this they are and how that they are. So the, a mistake is made on your part uh, when you think that white people suffer the same as black people. Uh, uh, or as many Jews will say, well, we're a minority too. Or the Irish will say, well, we used to be a minority. No one's a minority like we are. They, don't, they didn't need civil rights legislation to solve any other minority problem. They didn't need, they, they didn't, it didn't take a civil war to solve any other minority problem. It didn't take Supreme Court decisions to solve any other, uh, other, other minority problem or legislation. It takes none of that other kind of that action to solve the minority problems of these other people. The only real minority in America is the Afro-American. Now, when white people who are oppressed and poor, supposedly, but the poorest white person can go where the richest black person can't go. It isn't, it isn't only uh, 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 poverty of, uh, um, uh, in money that, one, that we're talking about. Poverty in spirit, poverty in, in freedom, poverty in equality, poverty in human dignity. This is the kind of poverty we're, we're suffering from. So that the richest Negro in this country is still poor. When it comes to freedom, he's broke. When it comes to human dignity, he's broke. This is the kind of poverty we're talking about. So when you find white people who are poor, with all these doors that there are open to them, any door that you knock on, if you're qualified, it'll open. So when you find a poor white person, he's in bad shape. He's in Here, at this final hour, in this quiet place, Harlem has come to bid farewell to one of its brightest hopes, extinguished now and gone from us forever. It is not in the memory of man that this beleaguered, unfortunate, but nonetheless proud community has found a braver, more gallant young champion than this Afro-American who lies before us unconquered still. I say the word again as he would want me to. Afro-American. Afro-American Malcolm. Malcolm had stopped being Negro years ago. It had become too small, too puny, too weak a word for him. Malcolm was bigger than that. Malcolm had become an Afro-American and he wanted so desperately that we, that all his people would become Afro-Americans too. There are those who still consider it their duty as friends of the Negro people to tell us 
to revile him, to flee even from the presence of his memory, to save ourselves by writing him out of the history of our turbulent times. And we will smile. They will say that he is of hate, a fanatic, a racist, who can only bring evil to the cause for which you struggle. And we will answer and say unto them, did you ever talk to Brother Malcolm? Did you ever touch him or have him smile at you? Did you ever really listen to him? You haven't done the right thing. Was he ever himself associated with violence or any public disturbance? For if you did, you would know him. And if you knew him, you would know why we must honor him. Malcolm was our manhood, our living black manhood. This was his meaning to his people. And in honoring him, we honor the best in ourselves. However much we may have differed with him or with each other about him and his value as a man, let his going from us serve only to bring us together now. Consigning these mortal remains to earth, the common mother of all, secure in the knowledge that what we place in the ground is no more now a man, but a seed which after the winter of our discontent will come forth again to meet us and we shall know him then for what he was and is a prince our own black shining prince who didn't hesitate to die because he loved us so and so today May 19th, we celebrate Malcolm X's birthday because he was a great, great Afro-American. And Malcolm X is you, all of you. And you are Malcolm X. I'm Malcolm X! 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 I am 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 Malcolm X! As Brother Malcolm said, We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be given the rights of a human being, to be respected as a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intended to bring into existence. By any means necessary.